Alexander Arkovic. They have their storybook ending. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Wrexham Texan. My name is Jake Green. It is season two of the Wrexham Texan. I think that we might have won the award for fastest to season two of any podcast ever. Um, I'm not sure that there's actually a category for that, but I'm pretty sure that six weeks in and we're already in season two, that's got to be some kind of record. So for those who don't know, we're now doing video. So we're going to be on Apple Video Podcasts, Spotify Video Podcasts. We'll be on Twitter. Um, uh, what else? Twitter, YouTube, obviously. Facebook at some point, And then in the very near future, Rumble and Odyssey. So you'll get to see it everywhere if you would like. Um, if you want to subject yourself to staring at this ridiculous excuse for a face uh, for a couple hours each week, then you can go to any one of those sites, including our website, which is peacefulc.network, www.peacefulc.network, up on the screen right now, y'all. Um, yeah, we're you can go there, you can find all the stuff that I do, um, all the stuff that my company does, which is has been mainly documentaries and short films in the past, although now we're producing three podcasts at this moment that are out and two more on the way, um, actually three more on the way. So our category, our library is expanding um, rapidly and it's awesome. I love it. I love doing podcasts. I love um, talking about Wrexham. Um, for those who are just joining, who are brand new to the podcast, like I said, my name is Jay Green. I'm a filmmaker based out of Atlanta, Georgia, but I grew up in Texas. Um, I was born in Texas, spent 30 years in Texas, and I pretty much just identify as a Texan. So hence the name, the Wrexham Texan. Uh, I'm a filmmaker, which is why I started this whole podcast was to analyze the show Welcome to Wrexham, as well as talk about my love for the football team. So yeah, welcome to the show. If you're new, you can go to Instagram and Twitter. Follow me, WXM Texan, the Wrexham Texan on both of those platforms. And make sure you tap the like button, subscribe, share, um, leave a review. All of that good stuff helps helps grow the podcast, helps uh, more people come on this podcast, which I'm very excited to have on some guests this season. Um, now that I'm not producing 27 episodes in six weeks, uh, I can actually have time to reach out to people and have them on the show. So I'm very much looking forward to that and hope you are as well. The format of this show is going to be slightly different than it has been um, for the past 27 episodes. <clears throat> Basically, since most of the games are played on Tuesdays and Saturdays, I will have... Uh, Basically, basically what's going to happen is, sorry, I'm trying to find the easiest way to explain this. Um, the show tends to come out Tuesday nights, okay? Um, I would like time to prepare what I'm going to say about the show and the clips that I'm going to get from it. So on Saturdays, on Saturday nights slash Sunday mornings, I will be releasing the double feature, which is basically a game and an episode all in one and an episode of the show all in one. So it'll be an extra long episode hour, probably, um, give or take. And then on Tuesdays, if there is no game, I will be releasing a, uh, uh, it seems that it seems that the show is releasing, um, two episodes at once on some Tuesdays, which is, an interesting route to take. I don't know why they would do that, but uh, we're going to find out if that ends up being the case or if that's just a glitch on on Hulu or Fubo or whatever you watch your shows on. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, if 
Every single time I review an episode of Welcome to Rexham, you're going to get that episode for free, no matter what, um, forever. Uh, however, if we have a Tuesday game, that and I do a podcast on that game, eventually those podcasts will be behind a paywall, just the Tuesday ones. Um, they'll be behind a paywall on my website or through Apple Podcasts. Um, it's a way to help generate some revenue. Um, to keep this and my other projects going. So uh, yeah, it it will be very cheap. $1 a month, we're going to call it the Dollar Media Club, and it will come out um, probably January of next year. So you've got a little bit of time before that happens. So anyway, enough with all the behind the scenes crap. Who cares? Let's talk about Wrexham versus Grimsby Town. What a game. Holy crap, y'all. I mean, they didn't even, they barely put up a fight. There were, there were, I don't know how many, um, how much, let's, let's just, let's just go over the daggum stats. Um, cause that will make it much easier for me to talk about them. <laughs> let's see. Okay. Wrexham wins. 3-0. There were 10,116 people packed into the Stoke Kairos. Um, this game took place on September 16th, 2023. Possession. Holy crap. I had no idea. They had 59% of possession and we had 41%. That's shocking. We scored three goals with 41% possession. I've always thought that possession didn't mean everything. Um, and wasn't that important. Let's see, dual success rate, 52 to 48 in our favor. Aerial duels, 57 to 43 in our favor. Interceptions, 10 for us, four for them. We were both offsides twice. We won three corners, they won one. As far as distribution goes, oh my gosh, they had 540 passes. We had 376. 376, man. That is, they they destroyed us with the number of passes. I mean, they clearly didn't lead anywhere, so it didn't really matter. Uh, we had 74 long passes. They had 97. We had 77% accuracy. They had 82. Um, they had 31 crosses. We had 22. Man, we, for the last few games, we've dominated crosses. They had nine more than we did like 50 percent more than us that's interesting and they just produced nothing from it they just did not play well um or they're just not that good i could you know i'm not uh just disclaimer i'm not uh as well versed in football as people who have been obsessed with it their entire lives i've watched it my whole life i've played it i still play it um but I definitely do not have an as in-depth of knowledge as many people who watch the sport. Um, I tend to know a ton about uh, American football and basketball. Those were my two big sports growing up, and I know basically all there is to know about them. So, uh, yeah. So when I get things wrong or when I'm curious about things, it's going to come up. Uh, our crossing accuracy was better, 23% to 16%. Let's go to the attack. Three goals off 17 shots with nine shots on target. They had zero goals with nine shots and only one shot on target. One shot on target the entire game. That is uh, rough. That is a rough day for them. Imagine being a Grimsby fan and traveling all the way to Wrexham and then having that happen to you. They had to block six of our shots. We only had to block one of theirs. <laughs> uh, they had seven shots from outside the box. Seven of their nine shots came from outside the box. We dominated inside the box. So what? That means they only got two shots from inside the box. That's amazing. That is fantastic. Great defense. Um, after the first you know, four or five games this season, our defense was looking rough, but it appears that we are clicking now, and it is just a sight to see. I freaking love it. Um, we had 14 shots inside the box <laughs> and our shooting accuracy was 53% compared to their 11%. That's, I mean, we just trounced them. 
11 to 12 on tackles, 55% tackle rate for us, 75% to them. Man, we had to have more clearances than they did. 27 clearances to 19. Who? Uh, let's see, seven fouls conceded for us, six for them, two yellow cards apiece. Holy crap, y'all. What a game. What a game. Let's go over to uh, the league table and see where we're at these days. So Knotts County is j- just dropped down to second today. Um, I guess that means they got a draw today. Interesting. Uh, Gillingham is now in first with 18 points. Knotts has 17. Swindon Town has 15. And we also have 15, though Swindon Town's goal differential is 11. Ours is five. So we uh, we got some work to do in that arena. Swindon Town has also only played seven games, and we've played eight. So, um, yeah, Swindon Town will probably be second or first by by the time they play next. I'm assuming they play uh, before anybody else does. But puts us uh, just below automatic promotion, puts us in the playoff hunt um, at this point in the season. And, man, that is such a relief. I mean, have we – we've lost one game. Um, drawn three times and won four. It's to to be promoted into a much more difficult league, even though our team is just stellar. We weren't playing with Paul Mullen, and we still find ourselves in fourth place after eight games. I mean, I, it obviously could be better if we were first, but that's a pretty dang good scenario. That's a pretty great way to start off in League Two after being – in the National League for 15 seasons. So, yeah, um, I the, the thing I love about video, about doing a video podcast, is I get to share video clips with y'all. However, I'm trying to, trying my best. There's legal things that go into screen capturing, uh, screen capturing things, um, such as, sporting events or TV shows of which I've done both for this podcast. And so the max number of seconds per clip you can show is six seconds. (laughs) And I know it sounds, I mean, it's a a tiny amount and it's very frustrating. Otherwise you will absolutely get removed from YouTube and other sites. Um, So I have done my best to keep it under six seconds for most of these clips, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes they're going to go above and I'm just going to risk it and it's going to be what it's going to be. But in the 21st minute, here comes. By Ollie Palmer. Great cross. Who was the cross by? Let's play it Looks like Lee. And it goes Elliot Lee with the cross, Palmer with the header in the upper 90, just above the goalie's reach. What a freaking shot. Um, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that I love Elliot Lee and I love Ollie Palmer. So the two connecting for, for a goal like that is fantastic. And the what was interesting was he, Ollie seemed to be either hurt or, you know, just in pain, um, which is why he got today for this match the texan of the match which is something that uh, a ridiculous award that i've come up with um let's see if i can uh, pull up the qualifications for texan of the match let's see here posts sorry y'all should have been all right the qualifications are grit rebelliousness loyalty flair and the cowboy quality. And that's just kind of um, up to my own interpretation. I'm the one who decides who gets the Texan of the match. And um, it's a combination of those things. And you don't have to have all of them for each match. But today, he had grit, he had a lot of flair, and he had the cowboy quality, as he does most matches. So there are some people who just naturally have the cowboy quality. Some have to earn it over time. Um, Yeah. So Ollie Palmer, gotta love it. Gotta love um, him. Final. I mean, I don't think he scored this season. Should have stats like that up. Dead gamut. 
wonder if we were to even find that kind of stuff. So anyway, um, next up we have Mr. McLean. Back on the left, sweeps in the dangerous cross. Oh, McLean to Boyle, what a shot, what a pass, another header, just in the upper 90, just got Nicole's reach. (laughs) It was absolutely fantastic. I loved it, and that kind of put it away. As soon as we scored that one, it was, I mean, it was lights out. Like, they they didn't stand a chance. Um, I mean, at at halftime, like, it, it seemed like they didn't make any real adjustments they didn't come out uh forcing us to do anything differently um so it didn't it just seemed like we were it was utter domination on our part and they just we couldn't be stopped and it was absolutely delightful the very next clip is let's see this is mullen so mullen it's first game back um full game back first game starting this season he played really well. It, it was clear that he was not in tip-top form because he had some really close calls, including this one. Just, I mean, it was a slightly easy save for the keeper, but for him, he should have put it in the upper 90 far post, um, which we all know that he's capable of doing. And the next one came two minutes later. Can he finish? No! Man, I thought that one went in for a second. He uh, went lower 90 um, on the near side of the goalie. And it. I think half the stadium thought it went in because I, th- I heard a lot of cheering. And, um, yeah, I thought, I thought that would be his first goal of the season. But instead, we have Mr. Elliot Lee coming back and doing it again. His seventh goal in eight games. Unbelievable. Lee has been crushing it for us. Lee is probably the reason that uh, we are in fourth place at this moment in time. I will say Mark Howard crushing it. I mean, clean sheet today. I mean, he didn't have to work too hard to get that clean sheet. And there definitely seemed to be some miscues with him in the defense a couple of times where he called for the ball and they decided to kick it anyway. I know Barnett, Barnett did it once and Tozer did it once where it was clear that Howard wanted the ball, um, but they took it from him and booted it away. So I don't know what that was about, but it is what it is. Um, and then Fletcher came into the game. Fletcher, I mean, I've not watched this guy play ever. Um, until he got to Wrexham and he is, he's got some skills. He is high class. Um, here's, here's one with him and Lee. He's got Conte to beat, pokes it to Fletcher. Oh gosh. And then Lee does this little, oh, quick little move. I mean, just utterly ridiculous. Fletcher healed it. I think at least three times. Um, perfect. Perfect touch, too. It went exactly where it was supposed to be. It went to our guy. It went right down the field. It led them both all three times. Um, yeah, Fletcher absolutely crushed it. And then I sh- should have gotten this bicycle kick that he tried. But, man, if you were watching, you remember. Let's see if I actually ha- – I might have it pulled up. Um, let's see here. I know I do. Yeah, there it is. Share this tab instead. and. Boom. Look at that sucker. So close to a sensational moment from Fletch. Yes, it was. I mean, he is horizontal with the ground, that ball. I mean, he crushed it. I mean, sadly, he crushed it right at the goalie and the goalie stopped it. But um, it was utterly delightful to see Fletcher um, come in and do so well and just fit right in. Um, He and Lee are going to be a force. Like, them playing together, they seem to be in sync already. Um, and it's it's going to be a thing to watch. It's going to be uh, something that opposing teams should absolutely worry about. Um, we have so much depth on our team now. And it, we're a threat. Every, every single person on that field right now has been a threat in one way, shape, or form. And we have, in my opinion... Nobody who's a dud, 
shall we say? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I I love our squad. I love it. And I've said it before. I think we have two A squads. I think we could fill out almost two whole lineups worth of people who could all play um, first team in, in League Two. And it's it just gives you a lot of confidence. It gives you a lot of hope. It makes you very sure that we're going to at least finish well this year, um, pending any injuries, um, which with our track record uh, could very well happen. Um, but for now, it has been an absolute pleasure to watch us play this season, and I've, I've loved every minute of it. Um, so there you have it, y'all. Um, I think I've got, let's see, what else to talk about? Um, share this tab. So I've got, there's a dominant home display from Wrexham AFC. Correct. And then it looks like Mr. Ryan Reynolds himself was at, uh, was at the game today. Checking out high-fiving fans, taking pictures. Dude is, uh, dude dresses well. He looks really good. It's kind of annoying. Um, yeah, there's the Elliot, or, uh, Ollie Palmer and Paul Mullen basically interlocking fingers and holding hands. It looked like they're about to dance the night away in, in that photo right there. And I thought this was about the most adorable thing I've ever seen. Um, from Mark Wrexham Oz. Here we go. <laughs> this little pit bull that he just got. Just can't take her eyes off the Wrexham game. Just staring right at it. Hilarious. And it, freaking adorable. I mean, how could you not love that? And then the man. Seventh goal in eight games. Mr. Elliot Lee. All smiles today. Y'all, what a game this was. What a fun day. It's uh, it's nice when you put it away so quickly, you can just kind of relax because a lot of our games are not like that. A lot of our games, you have to be on edge the whole time and you got to be nervous the whole freaking time. And it is nice every now and then to just destroy the other team. I know it doesn't make for as good of, you know, as, as it's, it's not as uh, intense or uh, suspenseful. And it doesn't elicit the same kind of emotions that a close game does. But, man, it is nice to have some of those in the bag. So what a game. What a day. Yeah, that's going to do it for this section of this podcast. We're going to go on to the next section, which is a review and analysis of the season premiere of Welcome to Wrexham, entitled Welcome Back to Wrexham. And as we get into this, remember that these clips um, that I show you most of the time are going to be less than six seconds. They are property of FX, um, the FX network, so they are not mine. Um, so keep that in mind. Some of them are going to be short. Some of them are not going to show context. I will try to provide context for you. Um, and per usual, I have so many notes. Um, I have, good Lord, basically four pages of notes from this episode. Um, so we'll walk you through it and yeah, let's get going. It was just, it was great to, to have the show back. I've been looking forward to it for so long. Um, watching last season, it was it, becoming a fan during the off season. It was, uh, a choice that I had to make between watching, actually becoming a real life fan and watching all the games or waiting, not knowing anything about Wrexham and just waiting for the documentary and just being a fan of the documentary series. Well, turns out that wasn't much of a choice. I had no choice but to become a fan of the team because I needed a soccer team. I needed a football team to be a fan of and to cheer for. And so um, after watching the docuseries, I obviously fell completely in love and uh, couldn't help myself. So. There we go. And so it makes it a little, it made it confusing for my wife to watch this episode because she was like, wait, we got promoted. I was like, yes, this is about the beginning of last season. Um, and it is a little confusing to watch this season while this 
current year of soccer is being played. So um, pairing these in these episodes might be a little confusing for folks who have no idea what they're getting into. So I apologize for that. But um, this is how this is how it started. The King of England called. That was great. Um, Yeah, they start out the whole episode by sitting there um, awkwardly doing their, you know, actor shtick. And they say, so the King of England called. Um, They make it a big deal. And then it goes to opening titles, which is a brand new song. Somebody tell me what this song is. I shazammed it and Shazam didn't even know what the song was. So this is the final words of it. I don't know. I don't know what song that is. Um, If Shazam doesn't know it, is it even a real song? Couldn't tell you. I have no idea. Um, So I found that to be an interesting choice. It's a pleasant song. It doesn't seem to have any oomph to it like the previous two title songs did. I have no problem with people changing their title songs, um, their opening songs, whatever you want to call them. Um, I just, it doesn't have, yeah, it just doesn't have that pop to it that the last two had. Um, And they both had it in different ways. And this one is a very pleasant song. And I like the lyrics. Don't forget to sing when you win. Love that. It just doesn't seem, I don't know. It didn't hit me as much as the other one did, as the other ones, both of them. Um, Let's see. So they do a whole previously on um, to get people caught up who either don't remember or didn't watch. And the most interesting, interesting thing about this. So generally, when people do a recap of a series or a show or a movie or whatever, they will use um, footage that has already been used, footage that you recognize. Uh, and I think it's to orient people so that they know exactly where they are and like they remember it. It kind of sparks their memory a little bit. This didn't do that. This only used a couple shots um, where it was exactly what you had seen before. It was a ton of new footage, but they were able to narrate over it to make you recognize it. And that was Awesome. I love it. I love seeing new footage from previous seasons that we'd never seen before. Um, It's a great thing to do. It makes it less predictable and more fun and gives a little bit more depth to it and allows you to, yeah, see a little bit more of, of what you missed during that previous season because they can't show everything. And so this is a great chance for them to show previously on and then show you new footage that you've never seen before. So I loved that. It was really funny recap. Um, it was it was fantastic. It was a great recap. Normally I skip them, but man, that one was great. Um, they mentioned in this whole spiel that uh, they sold out 24,000 Wrexham shirts because suppliers ran out. They couldn't fulfill more orders. And Anybody who's a fan of Wrexham knows that this was a huge problem. Um, things were sold out on the website for months on end. Even Ollie Palmer's website, um, things are sold out. My, my size, I'm an XL, I'm in large to an XL, and those things are sold out all the time. I can't ever buy stuff. Um, when I can buy stuff, I buy a lot so that I don't <laughs> risk not being able to get it later. Uh, I kind of go on a binge if I see, oh my gosh, they got new stocks in. So um, it was was just very, very interesting. I do know that they upped their order this past year. I think it was only to like 32,000 or something like that. So it's not like they doubled it, um, which they absolutely could have and still sold out everything. So maybe it's just a slow growth that they have to do which makes sense you know uh, you can only grow so quickly otherwise it's not sustainable or mistakes start to happen so um hopefully hopefully in the next uh, few years though there will come a point where you won't click on that t-shirt you really want and it will say sold out <laughs> maybe that won't happen um, but for now it's all that happens
the fact so another thing they open up this episode with is how many international fans are showing up in Wrexham and on a personal note sometimes it makes me feel like a super bandwagoner uh like a cheap little doofus that decided to hop on a train um that was going places uh just because just because he wanted to um but then i think you know i put in a whole lot of time and effort I, i'm trying to learn the history of wrexham the town and wrexham the club i'm watching every single game i'm buying all the shirts and the jerseys so you know i may not have the history with wrexham that a lot of people have but it i'm putting in the time i'm putting in the time and uh yeah i i, I love it and i love wrexham and i will continue to do this podcast i'm hoping for at least 15 years i'm hoping 15 seasons minimum of of this podcast coming at you once or twice or three times a week. So, um, yeah. And I love that uh, while fans were there, people like Sean Winter were able to sign shirts and give autographs and stuff. I think that is hilarious. They also got what seems to be a Harry Potter lookalike, um, which was interesting. Um, seemed like a good kid, but uh, he looked exactly like Harry Potter. Let's see. Uh, Okay, there we go. Sorry, lost my place in my notes. Um, yeah, they're just mentioning, all, you know, how the fan base has grown and all the things that have happened and how, you know, out-of-towners are always in town uh, wanting to talk to the people from the documentary series, wanting to go to the games, all, the, all that stuff, wanting to go to the turf. While Wayne Jones is doing an interview, people try to come into the turf. <laughs> and he has to politely say, we're not open till one today. Come back at one. Um, and he says business has at least doubled. And whenever they come in when they're not supposed to, he sends them out to the burger van and they pay him anyway. So it's a great business model to have a food truck right outside your place of business. <laughs> it's genius. Sorry. Just freaking yawned. That's so annoying. Apologies. It is late at night. I have too many people in this house right now to be recording this kind of stuff during the day. It just gets too noisy. You probably heard some folks. Um, yeah, it is what it is. Humphrey Kerr comes on, starts talking about the stakes. They're much, much higher, which we kind of mentioned at the end of last season that, I mean, it's basically unsustainable. They're carrying a million dollar uh, wage budget over their budget. So million dollar wages over their budget. And if they don't get promoted, they cannot negate that million dollars. And they're just going to be losing millions of dollars every year. And it's basically a must win. It's basically a must win season. Um, and they're about to start tearing down the cop, which means a lot of money needs to go to that. Um, a lot of money needs to go to building the new cop. And so, you know, uh, Sean Winter says uh, that they stayed committed um, and didn't sulk after the loss, which is which is fantastic. And like Rob said this at the end of last season where where he was like the goal this year, like the ultimate goal is to get promoted. But the goal that first season was to restore belief in the town and that goal. I mean, they achieved that clearly with the number of people flooding into the town, the number of tourists coming in, the number of fans gained, the number of people at the games. Um, there's a clear show of support and belief and hope restored to the town. And so now that that has been fulfilled this year, it's a must win year. Um, and so, yeah, they, they talk about that for quite a while. And it, it is very apparent that the stakes are extremely high and um they must win so uh another thing that was i love was the new graphics um which are these suckers right here the some logo in the background and the the type that's moving uh in front of and behind the players as they move around 
fantastic, um, fantastic production design. I love that. Uh, they're doing a great job. Um, great job with that. And then we get introduced to all our new players. Um, all the players that I've loved for the past year and a half. Lee, Tunnicliffe, Ford, Mendy, Howard, and Dalby. It's crazy how many people we signed before last season. It's crazy how many people we signed. Huge benefits came from those players. I mean, Lee, we've already talked about Lee enough this episode. Tunnicliffe, fantastic defender. Ford, Mendy, I mean, Howard, like, Howard, people like completely forget that Howard got us through the entire season, except for the last eight games last year. Like, yeah, Foster came in with eight, what, six games, eight games, whatever it was remaining. But Howard had gotten us, had kept us in first and second place for the entirety of the season. Um, and people seem to forget that. And we'll talk about it here in a minute. But Howard played a crucial role last year and did a fantastic job in my opinion that dude did so well he's so good he's so experienced um people are way too hard on him which is what we're going to talk about here in a little while um dalby crucial made some critical goals in a few games um last minute goals last second goals uh so yeah the signings we made absolutely helped us to to win out this season so Huge benefits, massive salaries. It makes it, I mean, it basically makes the business completely unsustainable, um, which we've talked about. Um, and he's, Rob says if uh, they can't get promoted, um, then it's broken promises to the town um, because the club's not sustainable. The, you know, if Rob and Ryan would have to leave for some reason, uh, they would not be able to sustain what Rob and Ryan have built. And so, again, stakes they're they're talking all about the stakes um which is what they did season one episodes one and two they talked about the stakes a lot or season one episode two they talked about the stakes because season one episode one it was a rebuilding thing it was you know things have to come crashing down and then you got to rebuild them um so <clears throat> yeah all about the stakes this episode <laughs> Uh, let's see. We then cut to some very frustrating um, developments, which is Rob Layton is still not ready to be in goal. He is in serious pain. In fact, here he is in some serious pain. Oh, hey. <laughs> oh, that poor guy. Look at that face. He is he is in some serious pain right there. And I mean, you see a very long amount of um, rehab where he's just wincing the entire time because that, I mean, the, the doctor did say it was a potential career ending in injury. And so it kind of makes sense um, that there's this much pain involved and they're trying to get him rehabilitated quickly. So it, you know, it makes sense that that's the case. Um, but yet some more bad news. Um, Christian Dibble, who came in to sub in for Rob Layton and did a great job at the end of the, I guess that would have been end of the 2021-2022 campaign, um, did a great job. He's also hurt. He dislocated his knee, was it? Yeah, dislocated his dadgum knee in preseason, which forced the signing of Mark Howard. And we cut over to Mark Howard. He's mentioned. You know, we go through a little bit of his um, of his history. He's been playing in he's been playing professional soccer, professional football for 19 seasons. And he's played with Parkey before. What more could you ask for? The dude is experienced and has played with the coach before. Uh, it's fantastic. And he's done well. He's helped get teams promoted. So that's the exact kind of signing that you want. The new goalkeeper coach is thrilled to have him. And so clearly everything went well from then on because, because of Mark Howard, we got promoted. Let's see. We then cut to our first game. First game is a quote-unquote must-win game. Um, 
I wouldn't say it's must win game in the sense that if you don't win that game, you're out. I think it's more of the town needs needs that victory. The town needs it very badly. And um, they need to start off on a good foot, which which makes sense. Um, we go we do the fill enthusiasm count again beforehand um, in the pregame speech. And then uh, one of my favorite quotes from this episode is right here. I have a feeling somewhere between hope and fear. Yeah. Now, for the first time ever, I actually feel expectation. I expect us to win this game. <laughs> I love that. He was basically saying that, you know, for all the seasons leading up to this, he had expectations somewhere between hope and fear. And this season, he actually has full-on hope, expects us to win, expects us to win. If, like, that says so much about what, has been done to build this team up and to instill hope back into the town. And like, he just said it perfectly, just perfectly right there. Um, let's see here. Uh, I got to remember what, uh, oh yeah, here we go. Sorry. Um, now at the very beginning of the game, a certain amount, I can't remember how much time in, but Howard lets one in. Might have been fouled. Seemed like he may have had his hand, his arm grabbed, but it is what it is. And uh, Mullen almost gets one. Palmer almost gets two. Um, and then it's 1-0 at halftime. And after half, Mr. Elliot Lee comes into the game. That's nice. Back heels in. He hits it. 1-1, <laughs> 73rd minute. And then right after that, Elliot Lee. Elliot Lee. Let's go back to that first clip because that Palmer pass, I know we don't see much of it because it's a six second clip. Absolutely beautiful. Started Lee off. Um, immediately loved by the fans. I'm one of the one of the younger fans is asked at the end of the game. Uh if her favorite player is still Mullen or if it's Elliot Lee and she goes, it's Elliot Lee and <laughs> completely makes sense. I mean, he is my favorite player. Uh, it wasn't because of these first two goals. It was because of the fact that he hustles everywhere. He's always running. He hustles. He works his butt off. He almost never flops. Flopping is my least favorite thing in football. Um, I hate it. It's why I can't stand watching like the NBA it's just nonstop flopping and nonstop whining about everything. If you whine a lot and if you flop a lot, you're not going to be my favorite player. I might like you and I might love watching you play, but you're just not going to be my favorite player because those two things, um, you have to be good to be my favorite player. But it, it, yeah, if you're whining all the time, ain't going to happen. Just, you know, quit whining, quit whinging, as y'all would say. Um Drives me nuts. So, yeah, we leave that game with a 2-1 victory. Home, Stoke Kairos. I guess back then it was just the Kairos. Now it's the Stoke Kairos, but it is what it is. All right. We then cut to something that I really just don't want to talk about for very long, um, which is etiquette training. Etiquette training to meet the king and the royal family and all that stuff. I am someone who could not care less about the royal family. I could not care less about the president of the United States and his family, no matter who it is, don't care. Um, so I don't see the point of um, etiquette training because I, there are traditions that I'm a fan of, and then there are traditions that I just think are absolutely ridiculous. And etiquette is one of them. Just be respectful and don't be a turd. Just don't be a douche. And like it's it's just spending all this time. Like I it's admirable in a way that they're spending this much time and they're paying somebody to teach them all these little etiquette rules that they must know. But the whole sitting down the way they sit down with their hands on their knees, that is infuriating. Why, why even have a seat back on your chair if you're not going to use it? 
just let me lean back. <laughs> um, anyway, I don't want to go on and on about this. So um, the whole point of it is they're basically kissing ass to try to get the king to help them get funding for the cop. And so in that way, I can kind of understand that, though that makes me like, that might make me like it even less. That might make me just be like, seems like you're selling out here. Seems like you're doing stuff that you shouldn't be doing or you shouldn't put so much time in to get something that you can get from a private investor or some somewhere else. Um, it's just, I don't like putting on airs to get money. That drives me nuts. What you see in this camera is what you get in real life. <laughs> like, I'm not going to put on airs for anybody. If you ask me a question, I will tell you exactly what I think, um, even if it is completely inappropriate or completely makes things awkward. Um, I'm just going to say it. So, yeah, this, this, this part of the docuseries might not be for me, but it is what it is. There are people who are obsessed with the royal family and all that stuff. So whatever. Um, the one interesting thing that I learned in this episode was that the Kairos can't host international or can't host, host Welsh national team games until it is bigger, until the, the, the cop comes back. So that's interesting. Um, and that makes it definitely a more intriguing offer if you're going to be able to host other games than just Wrexham games in it. So there's, there's some, there's some legitimacy there. Um, Rob doesn't want to bow to someone completely agree. I'm not going to bow to someone. Um, I will shake someone's hand gladly. Then we cut to really cool bit. Um, as they're tearing down the Stoke Kyra or as they're tearing down the cop, um, AEC engineering is getting a bunch of the old leaning railings, um, and basically, uh, restoring them and they go to certain charities, they get auctioned off for certain things. And so he, yeah, he just volunteered his time. Uh, what was his name? Did I write it down? Bill, I forget his last name. I did not write down his last name. Um, but AEC Engineering was a sponsor of Wrexham for seven years leading up to the takeover. And Phil is extremely proud and gets emotional about it. And it's awesome. I love that. It's fantastic. And uh, yeah, just uh, it's such a cool thing to do. They do that with stadiums over here as well. So my dad had season tickets to the Dallas Mavericks, which is the Dallas basketball team. And when they were tearing down that stadium, he bought his season ticket chairs. And now they're in our living room. <laughs> they're in our living room when we sit down to watch basketball. You can sit in the reunion arena chairs and it's great. And he bought them, you know, they were at auction. It all went to some charity and it was it's a fantastic way to make some money for uh, a good cause. So I like I liked this whole thing. Um, he volunteered to restore them for free and then, you know, they get donated to different places like a hospice so they can auction it off um, and make some money for the hospice. All right. We then cut to the meeting of the king. Rob's jacket. Sorry. Sorry, Rob. Your jacket going into that SUV is ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous. Apologies. <laughs> I, I really did not like your jacket. <laughs> Um, your overcoat, to be fair, because your suit was sharp. Loved your loved your suit, hated the jacket. Um, lining up for the king, the whole team and organization is there. King makes a sunny joke. Women's team makes their first appearance in this season. Um, and this scene just goes on forever. It's too much. Too much shaking of the hands. Um, just walking around aimlessly it seems like um so many people gosh if you were the king and you had to shake that many people's hands how exhausting would that be how exhausting would it be to just go into a stadium um and meet i don't know 150 people all right then 
that's exhausting. How many possible different conversations can you have and different things can you come up with saying? Because that's a lot of people. Um, yeah, again, I'm not going to spend much time on this or any more time. Moving on. Um, they're waiting on the leveling up fund, <laughs> which the leveling up fund, uh, just in my experience, waiting on the government to do anything is just a giant waste of time. It is a waste of resources. It is draining on your mental health. It is quite possibly draining on your physical health. Um, I just don't rely on the government to do anything is, is my philosophy. It's going to be sometimes, especially this episode, it's going to be really hard to keep my politics out of this. Um, I have very strong political views, and I try to keep them out of this podcast for the most part. But the fact that anybody is thinking that the government is going to help them um, build a $20 million quarter of a stadium um, just seems like a ridiculous ask. But that's just that's just me. Um, and Rob is just getting fed up with it. Let's see. I think I've got a couple couple quotes here whinging about how slow everything is because i guess they're just so used to it from a bureaucratic standpoint <laughs> yeah um he's been getting called out because he's been whinging um about how slow everything moves and rob completely agree completely agree uh let's see they said that next week the decision will be made well they've heard this before because of course. Um, it's even being proposed in Parliament, and Boris Johnson addresses it. Lots of thoughts on that guy, too, but this is not a political podcast. Um, if they don't get the funding, they can't build the cop without a um, different investor. So that just is what it is. And Sean says that this has been a quick process. And Rob has, like I said, Rob has been called out for whinging. And this is what he says next. What you're suggesting to me is, is that because of this level of bureaucracy, that mm -hmm. there's a certain level of care and craftsmanship that goes into it that just doesn't exist in the United States. Uh, yes. I reject that wholesale on behalf of the American people. <laughs> Rob. Yeah. I'm with you on that, brother. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they say that the fact that it's taking so long is because people are putting in their due diligence and doing it properly. And uh, that way that when it's done, it will be far better and far more um, enduring, we'll say. Whereas in America, we just do things fast and and things are crap and door handles fall off and Humphrey Kerr's home, which... They might fall off in your home, man. You just bought a crappy house because they don't fall off in my house. And my house has been here since the 1960s. Um, so, yeah, bravo, Rob. I love that line. I reject it wholesale on behalf of the American people. <laughs> I just thought that was absolutely fantastic. And at the end of this conversation, they decide they're tearing it down themselves. They're going to start tearing it down. They're going to pay for it. Um, and they'll figure out how to get funding to, to build up the new cop. So. Um, yeah, then from there, we see Wayne reacting to the news that they're tearing it down. And he talks about how he used to, as a child, attend games in the cop um, in standing room only, which I love standing room only. Um, standing is the best way to watch a sporting event, like standing the entire game, especially if you have something to lean on, like the cop. Man, that's those are good seats. At Texas A&M Aggie games, we do not have things to lean on, but we stand the entire game. And it's exhausting, but it's so good. Um, so, yeah, uh, he has mixed emotions because, you know, obviously you're going to have some emotional ties to the whole prop, to the whole thing um, because you grew up there and you grew up going to those games and you're going to see it get torn down to make way for something that is going to be probably much better in a lot of ways, but it's not going to be the same. And so there's there's some deep emotions there, and I completely understand. The cop was iconic, you know, um, but it's underway, and it is what it is. The cop is getting torn down. We then go to Chesterfield away. Let me see here. Sorry, y'all. I got to add one more 
video. I have two video files remaining for us to watch. Um, let's see here. They knew from the beginning, and everybody knew that Chesterfield had been making some good moves and were going to be contenders to get promoted, which means that they are big rivals this season. And <clears throat> there's a huge turnout by Wrexham fans, which is always great. Wrexham, it seems that Wrexham fans know how to travel. Like that is something that I've seen repeatedly where I can hear the Wrexham fans at almost every away game. And that is fantastic and something that not every team has for sure. Um, the fact that that happens for Wrexham is a huge benefit and probably accounts for I don't know, at least a few wins during during away games, at least a few wins. It is so helpful. Like there's a reason there's home field advantage. And one of those reasons is the fact that your fans are there. And uh, if you get a good amount of fans traveling with you, then you get just a little bit more boost um, when when you're doing well. You know, you get a little bit more when you get the momentum on your side. So I love that. Uh, let's see. Somebody mentions that you've got to take points off your rivals, which I love that. I love the, that way of thinking. Um, that's something I actually never thought about. I just thought about getting points and getting wins, but taking them off of your opponents and your rivals and the people who you're going to be butting heads with to get promotion. Yeah. That's a pretty great way to look at it. I love that. Um, and I will say, during this game, it is very clear that while the cinematography in this show has been fantastic the entire time, their sports cinematography, their actual match cinematography, camera work, has gotten has improved substantially. And I thought it was already fantastic. So, bravo. These shots that they were getting in, in the Chesterfield game were fantastic. If you go back and watch this episode take note of the shots and see how they handle the camera because they, they do it so well. I'm going to try to get a few of those cameramen on this show to talk about that because that is, that's a really difficult skill to master and not everybody can do it. And definitely very few people can make it look really good and they're making it look really good in this, in this episode. Um, Mullen nearly scores, but Chesterfield scores uh, soon after that in the 10th minute. We get many, many close calls. Or no, they get many, many close calls. Um, and then this happens. He coolly plays to Howard. He's under pressure and he's lost the ball. He's outside the box. The shot comes in. Oh, just brutal. Howard makes a super poor touch, which he immediately talks about on camera, how it just happens. And it does. Like, there's there's no way mistakes don't happen. But then, sorry, this dude, I completely forget your name, but I'm bringing you on camera and I'm going to talk about you and people like you for a minute. It's completely a fault I'm going to need a game for it soon. I can't stand that kind of thinking. I it's game 2 of the season and this guy already wants to get a new keeper in. He wants to remove Mark Howard who has gotten teams promoted in the past, who's had major success at other clubs in the past, who has played with Parky before. He wants to get him removed because of one mistake. One mistake. Like give me a break y'all. How about some, have some patience. You people cannot Operate if you have zero patience as a fan. If you if you just run solely on emotions, that is going you're making it hell for the people around you. Um, you have to have some stability. You have to give people a chance. You have to let people make mistakes. And Howard owned up to it immediately, and he knows it. People know when they make mistakes, but it's clear that Howard knows what the frick he's doing. And he's a good goalkeeper. He's doing well for us this season as well. So, like, enough. I mean, I'm going to, I guarantee you, I'm going to repeatedly say this throughout the entirety of this podcast to infinity. 
Give people a chance. Let people make mistakes because it's going to happen and stop calling for change as soon as something bad happens. <laughs> it's utterly ridiculous. So just have some patience, for goodness sake, please. Um, so yeah, that drove me nuts. Uh, Wrexham ended up never finding their rhythm. We lost 2-0. And yeah, it's not a great start. It's not a great second game, obviously. But like, don't lose hope after one dadgum game. Just take a deep breath, breathe out, and move on. It's that simple. Just like, be a little patient. Patience and understanding are fantastic things. Um, let's see. Yeah, I mean, Sean, Sean uh, Harvey. Yeah, Sean Harvey does mention that knowing your squad is good enough and them actually doing it are two different things. And that's true. Like, our squad was definitely good enough to beat Chesterfield this game. But, you know, we'd only played, played together with all these new people one other game. And so let's just let them gel. Let's just let them get to the point where everybody's on the same page and everything's working. So, yeah, just be patient, everybody. Be patient. Um, same with this season. You know, we're doing really well. We're in fourth place right now. Be patient. Let's just, we acquired a bunch of new people during the offseason. They've played a little bit of time with us now at this point, but it's only going to get better, yo. As long as we stay healthy, it's only going to get better. Um, we then cut to the final scene of the episode, a Zoom call with the core group of Humphrey, Rob, Ryan, and Sean. And Sean breaks the news that their funding for the COP has not been approved, which was 18 months of work down the drain. Um, I mean, it, it is a gut shot. Like, I understand the hope that was involved and the amount of time and effort that was put into trying to get something done like that. Um, that takes a lot of effort, a lot of patience. And it is a gut shot, even though it is a predictable gut shot, in my opinion. Um, you're dealing with the government. So it's about as predictable as, as anything. Like It's the most predictable thing. <laughs> um, Rob mentions he doesn't have 20 million pounds lying around, and he doesn't think Ryan does either. Um, but even if Ryan says he does, that you should ask Blake, <laughs> which I just thought was hilarious. Sean mentions he's super low, which you don't hear him say very much. And you don't hear him have emotions like that all that often. And so Ryan, true to form, offers to sell one of his children because he doesn't even know all their names at this point. <laughs> it brightens Sean's day. It is a, he just says it in the most hilarious way because not everybody can pull off that kind of humor, especially in that situation. Um, and he just crushed it. He just did such a good job with that. And I, I, I loved it. Um, we then, the ending credits, for the for this episode are the tearing down of the cop and that's how it fades out so a very good episode you know um not the best episode i've ever seen there's definitely too many boring bits um the whole thing where they're shaking hands with the king i get it some people will be super stoked to just watch the king walk around and shake hands with people. I find it utterly boring. Um, and anything that has to do, the only thing that made the etiquette training not absolutely ridiculous was that Rob and Ryan are hysterical together and just hysterical in general. So they had a lot of fun things um, going on there, but it's not the all time greatest episode. Um, Maybe I'll start rating these things. Should I start rating these episodes? Um, I would say I'd give this episode a solid B. Um, B as in boy. Um, yeah, I should start rating these episodes. So that's what I should do. So this episode gets a B. It's season two, episode one. Welcome back to Wrexham. Um, and yeah, y'all, that'll do it for this episode. If you go back and watch it, or if you're watching it for the first time, just 
like I said before, keep an eye on that cinematography during, especially during that Chesterfield game. The cameramen for that game, they they were just fantastic. They were so good. Um, that is such a difficult skill to master. Like you might think that it just the better the camera, the better you're going to shoot. But man, if if you're inexperienced with the camera and you go out and try to shoot something, it's going to look like crap. I don't care who you are. Um, like not everybody has the skill to do that. Not everybody has the eye, not everybody has the knowledge. So uh, those are things that should be appreciated when they're done well and man, they do it well. So that'll do it for this episode, y'all. This is the longest episode yet. Um, some of these are going to be this long because I just have a lot to say when it comes to documentaries and when it comes to our football team. So um Thank you all for sticking around this long. I really appreciate it. Make sure you go subscribe on YouTube. Go over to my Twitter. Um, it'll be on Facebook soon. Not yet. Um, maybe it will. I don't know. I haven't set up Facebook yet, but maybe it will. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? Uh, subscribe on all podcast platforms. Uh, give me a rating. Give me a review. Uh, send in your thoughts via Instagram, Twitter, or email director at peacefulcproductions.com. Um, I'd love to know your thoughts on anything. If you want me to cover something specific, I will absolutely look into that. So again, thank you all so much for watching. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate everybody who's, who's been coming along with me for this ride. Um, I plan to keep this going for a very, 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 very long time. Um, that'll do it for this week, y'all. Have a good one. Up the town. And if you knock my soul with all your strength, you're gonna find it. You're gonna find it.